during the protection courses at Michael Ellis's School for Dog Trainers in California, Michael gives a lecture on different forms of dog aggression. This is part two of that lecture. In part one, which was in an earlier newsletter, Michael talked about defensive aggression, frustration prey-based aggression, competitive aggression, otherwise uh, some people call this fight drive. He talked about resource guarding aggression and fear or pain-based aggression. Part two is the continuing part of this lecture. Territorial aggression, um, the dog guards their yard, their play, your house, those sorts of things. Um, uh, not really functional for protection work, but definitely a place where dogs can be aggressive. So you'll have dogs that are very social uh, and very friendly and uh, away from their space, and you put them in their space, and they're very aggressive, protecting their territory. Uh, uh, and then we talked a little bit about social rank. Uh, classic uh, dominance theory stuff, where the dogs that I consider to be socially uh, upwardly mobile, who will uh, aggress in an attempt to move up the social ladder. Uh, so you don't want them, they don't want to get off the couch, you tell them to get off the couch, they act aggressively, if it works, then they tend to, that tends to, to be intensified. Um, we don't use that in a calculated way in protection work. Uh, Although there are dogs that that's a probably a part of the competitively aggressive dog. So when I talk about the competition-based aggression, I think that dog's um, rank behavior is probably a part of that. Meaning the reason that they're competitively aggressive, they're very confident. Uh, and when you compete with them, they're trying to outdo you in an attempt to sort of uh, move above you or dominate you and show you they're in charge. So there's some uh, social component to that kind of aggression, I believe. Um, but it's probably a mix of that and frustration and prey-based stuff all mixed in together. Huh? Um, prey drive, term we've used a ton. Uh, it covers a lot of ground. People will say all kinds of stuff regarding prey drive. Um, it, drive theory, I, you've tossed the word drive around a lot over the course of the week, and um, behaviorists do not use the word drive the way dog trainers use drive. So behaviorists think it's basically a survival drive innate survival drive in a dog, so they'll talk about things like sex drive, uh, food drive, uh, those sorts of things, uh, drive for water, these sorts of things are, are survival-based things in the behavioral sense of the word, um, but we use it to describe a lot of behavior. So that when we say prey drive, we basically are talking about the dog's desire to chase and bite and grab things. Right? So movement triggers it, they want to chase something that's moving, and we call that prey drive. Uh, so um, and we use that extensively in all of our dog training, some form of that. Um, people will sometimes say prey drive and, and play drive synonymously, but I don't think they're the same thing. The prey drive has a biting component to it. It's not just that the dog wants to chase. It's the dog that wants to chase, grab, bite, kill. And there are dogs that play, that chase out of play, and the demeanor is very different than a dog with strong prey drive. Uh, meaning a dog may chase a ball or want to play with a handler, play ball, bounce around, dance, wrestle, all these other things. Those are obvious play behaviors in a dog. Um, and there are do dogs that like that kind of interaction and like to play, frequently also exhibit some prey drive, and there's a combination of these things happening when we interact with a dog. But prey drive itself is the desire to chase and bite something that's moving. Grab it with your mouth, shake it, kill it, like we talked about. 
Byte drive's a term that I've sort of coined myself to describe uh, a dog that just gets satisfaction out of biting, its own thing. And it's uh, um, nothing to do with prey, defense, whatever it is that's happening in these dogs, and I think it's part of a selection process that we've gone through by selecting for certain traits. Uh, we've created a kind of artificial selection that where you periodically get these dogs that just like to bite stuff. It feels good to them. It's intrinsically self-reinforcing. Some kind of chemical release happens. I don't know whether it's endorphins, whether it's a, whatever that's going on, but these dogs can satisfy in this thing, and they like that activity in and of itself. And it doesn't matter if they're biting a, uh, a stuffed animal, a decoy, a person, a telephone pole, a sofa, or whatever. The dogs just like that feeling of digging in and biting something. Huh? And it's not common, but extremely useful when you get it in a dog. So for, for our purposes in terms of protection training and looking for dogs that are going to excel in these various disciplines, this is a biggie. Right? It's, if you get a dog like this, it's like, yes, beautiful. Right? You have lots of ways of rewarding this dog. And you don't tend to have to put them in uncomfortable places to get them to want to do this. And you don't have to expend a lot of energy. So there's not a lot of help that you need to get that dog to bite that you're going to have to fade later on. So we talked a lot of about over the course of the week about anything we're teaching the dog. Initially, we have to do things to help that dog do the behavior we want, and then frequently we want to feather the help out until the dog's supplying the energy themselves. Uh, and the bite-driven dog, the dog that really just likes to bite for its own sake, allows us to use a lot less help in the things that we teach the dog because I don't have to dance around or run or make a lot of motion to activate the dog initially. So that's stuff that I don't have to fade out of the picture as we progress along. So those dogs are fantastic when we find them and great dogs for this kind of work. It also allows us to reward that dog without having to slip equipment and things like that to then allow them to possess as a reward because the act of biting itself is reinforcing to that dog. So just allowing them to bite feels good and is rewarding. And those are the dogs that are much easier to work without having to slip equipment. You know, they're the dogs that wind up going onto the bite suits when they're seven and eight and nine months old, and they don't have any problems at that point. Right? They don't need to win the equipment as a sign or possess in a way where many, many good dogs need to. Like it's not that the other dogs are bad or won't turn out to be good dogs in the work, but many of the other dogs need to have some balance between how they win, whether it's they pull and they possess or whatever else it is as we go along. Huh?